What's going on, good people? This is your boy, Ronnell, with another episode of what? You scared? I bet you scared. Friday afternoon. It's all good. We're hanging out. Having a little drink. Lafayette. I said this in a previous podcast. Really, really good drink. Cognac. It's really nice. It's smooth. Very affordable, too. You guys should... Get on some of that. Nice beverage. I'm going to sip on that while I talk for a little while to you guys. And uh, that's what it's going to be. So it's been a minute. Let me get back with you guys. A quick recap of what's going on in the landscape of the land in this college football. Um, Hey, we know what the uh, playoffs look like right now. We know what the top six looks like. Oh, you got Shabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. Ohio State, Texas A&M 5, and, of course, Gator Nation sitting at number 6 right now. Uh, For the Gators, the playoffs has started. We are essentially a playoff team. The playoffs has started for us. We can't lose any other games. We control our own destiny. Let's keep getting these Ws because we're trying to get to the promised land. So the playoffs has started for us. We're, in my mind, playoff mode. It's time to rock and roll. Quick recap, the Gators game against Tennessee. 31-19, 31-19, went to Rocky Top, shut down the band. Um, again, off to another slow start. Uh, I think teams are coming out with a nice game plan. Start off with Mullen doing what Mullen does. Sees what the defense is doing, makes his adjustment, and he rolls. So that's pretty much the game of what that was. The game was never in doubt. It is what it is. 31-19. Um, the running game has regressed. That is an issue. That is a problem. Um, I think we're going to need to run the ball a little bit against Bama. I think uh, we are a passing team, but I just don't want to sit back here and just say, kill a cow, go back here and drop back 60 times. That's a little much, even for um, this Heisman front runner. So hopefully we can figure something out in this running game. I have very little faith right about now. At this point of the season, Pretty much you are what you are. So it's time to either just adjust, you know, accentuate your strengths, camouflage your weaknesses, uh, and see what happens. That's that's pretty much where that is right there. Um, so again, 31-19, did what we had to do, took care of business. Um, I would say the Gator defensive line, thumbs up, playing pretty good ball, looking good out there, looking really good. Um, safety play, I don't get it. It's still bad, it's still a concern. And I feel you have better options to play. But I guess it's just playing. It's a seniority thing to right now. <laughs> ah, that's all I can say. Because you, you you, have better options behind these guys you're running out here. So, um, hey, politics. Politics, politics, politics. Moving forward, y'all. LSU comes to town. This is, this is a bad team. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Look, they're a bad team. They're mentally checked out. Guys are leaving left and right. I think if you polled these players secretly right now, if you ask them if they'd rather play this game or just shut it down and go to the house, they would. But, of course, they can't say it publicly. It's not a good look. So, anyway, this is a team that let's just get out here again. Do what we do. Get off to a good start. 14-0, 17-0, 21-0. It's just, you know, take their will and be done with this game. Step on their throats. Halftime, this game should be over with. Get some young players in, playing time, get them some run. Uh, it's senior day. 
honor the seniors. Best believe Mullen will be in some uh, run down up some plays for the seniors. Those seniors, he'll be uh, hooking up some things for them to get in the end zone. So expect for several touchdowns to go to senior players, uh, Pitts, Tony and company, Grimes. They'll get in the end zone. Mullen usually makes a point to uh, send the seniors out in the right way and get them a few touchdowns and do some things in that um, in that area. So, again, we, we should take care of LSU, do what we do, get out of here, get healthy, uh, no major injuries, and um, use this game as a tune-up. This is an exhibition game. You Use these boys for what they are. They start on a freshman quarterback with the Max Johnson kid, who's even less talented than TJ Finley. Cool. This is, this is it's easy money. Get the W, and that's that. So, like I said, I ain't going to spend too much time on that. And, hey, sit back, put our feet up, Gator Nation. Let's enjoy another W against the hated LSU Tigers. Matter of fact, LSU, yeah, uh, <laughs> is this LSU week? This is, they are the reason, if you hadn't read, <laughs> listened to my first episode, they are the reason this uh, podcast is named what it is. You scared? I bet you scared. Thanks to... Mr. Darius Geis, former running LSU running back. But uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit more. I'm going to get into that a little bit more. But, um, yeah, let's take care of business and get out of here. Next segment, guys, the segment we all love. You know what it is. You know what time it is. Pull the curtain back. This is the, this is the time where we take a deep dive into a situation or take a deep dive into a matter. And not just look at things on the surface, but really break it down. Understand why things are the way they are. And today, I have a real interesting topic. The topic is winning mentality. A winning mentality. Winning mentality, winning culture, whichever one you want to use. A winning mentality. A winning mentality versus a losing mentality. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna break something. I'm gonna break something down to y'all. Check this out. Do you believe you can have a losing culture, a losing mentality, and still win? Win games. Can you win at the highest level? Can you be a program that is quote unquote formidable, but still have a losing mentality? Yes, you can. And a matter of fact, we have a program that is <laughs> obviously going through that situation right now. What if I told you? What if I told you last year? This is going to really sound crazy, but think about it. And I want you to follow me. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. What if I told you last year while LSU was winning the national championship, going through a dream season? Winning games, beating people. I told you they have a losing mentality. They have a losing culture. On the surface, oh hell no. What are you talking about? Look what we're doing. They're doing this and doing that. That's that's you're being a hater. That's crazy. There's no such thing. Look what we're doing. Hey, pull the curtain back. Let me show you some things. I got a list of things real quick. I'm run through. Real quick. A winning culture, a winning mentality. You know what they have? They have one, two, three, four. I got five things down here. They have five things in a winning culture. Accountability, rules, structure, consistency, and the last one. 
which is the biggest one. Sustainability. Accountability, rules, structure, consistency, and sustainability. Account- let's start with the first one, accountability. And let's just use LSU since we're playing this week. This is a great topic. We're playing LSU this week. Might as well hit on that. Accountability. I guess you say, well, LSU is accountable. If you pull the curtain back, they've had situations where they're not accountable. And it permeates through the program. I'll go back to the year when this all started, 2016. When Florida came to Baton Rouge, Hurricane Matthew. There was an on-field fight. Leonard Fournette was not playing that game because he had a severely sprained ankle. Fight before the game. Animosity. Of course, we we don't like them. They don't like us. Fight before the game. A little brawl wasn't like a real, real fight. But you remember. You remember. Leonard goes to the locker room. You know what Leonard does? Leonard goes and goes to the head coach. Tells, tells Coach O, hey, coach, I'm playing. No, you know what your uh, know what your head coach, you know what the coach, coach Ed does. He says, oh, okay, all right, let her go, going out there, going out there. But what, what are you doing, Ed? <laughs> what are you doing? This dude is not capable of playing. Medical said he's out. Now nah, he's pissed off. He's gonna go play. Oh yeah, they ran him out there, and he was a liability. He was he, he was a liability out there. He hurt the team more than he helped the team. You have to hold people accountable. You didn't hold Fournette accountable. You say, look, first of all, you shouldn't have been acting like that. And to get in a fight, you're not even playing. What are you doing? Go sit down somewhere. Okay. You want to step up for your teammates? Fine. But you just can't say. The players just can't tell the coach, I'm going to go play. I mean, that's some LeBron James-ish type stuff. I'm going to play. I'm not, I'm not coming out of the game. You, you can't have that. And the players around that see that. Those are the type of things I'm talking about. The accountability. Of what's going on. I mean, it's crazy. I just don't understand. Well, I do understand it because what you have is a player's coach want to be a player's coach. So he wants to give him what he wants to give him and do what he wants to do. Back to some more about accountability. These allegations is going on with LSU. Coach O's let some of these players play despite that. Some of them guys shouldn't have been playing. They shouldn't have been playing at all. But again, he let them, he let them play because why? He wants to win a ship. So, when you don't hold your players accountable, hmm, this is what you get. You get players ripping and running, doing all kind of crazy stuff. The second one, rules. You got to have some rules, man. I hear Bo Pelini showing up late for work, <laughs> leaving early. <laughs> Look at that defense, bro. <laughs> he, he needs to be beating everybody to the office. How you going to be the last one showing up and the first one leaving? <laughs> what the hell? That's rules and accountability. Like, what the rules? Should you be here at a certain time? And leave at a certain time. I mean, but again, you're coming off a national championship. Everybody's saying, yeah, you win. You're the bear, right? Getting out of the, the pats on the back. It's all good, right? You think so? You, you really? You really think so? Okay. Okay. That's fine. Structure. Let me move to structure. You remember last year after the big win LSU had against Bama? Celebrate. That's fine. Celebrate on the field. That's fine. They did some extra stuff. But, okay. I'm not going to overly trip on that. They were a little extra on the field. But, okay. Whatever. This is this is the thing. 
a player video recorded Coach O and the statements he made regarding LSU. I mean, I'm sorry, regarding Bama. Talking about how they're going to kick their ass every year. They're going to kick their ass in recruiting. And this is a new day. And LSU has arrived. They are the program of the SEC now. And he had a player not only recorded. He felt comfortable enough to record it. He felt comfortable enough to send it out. Do you ever think under Nick Saban's structure, any player would be allowed to do that? Much less feel comfortable doing that. No. Remember Antonio Brown. Good old Antonio Brown. In the locker room, Mike Tomlin was making a speech after the game. This fool went on Facebook Live. Showing the audio and video, Facebook Live and the thing. You can see Mike Tomlin in the background. That like, that was that was the last basically the last straw. Like you knew he was going out of town. You, you can't do that. And Antonio said he gonna do him. Same principle. But you see what the Steelers did. When you have a program, a winning mentality like the Steelers have now, they got his ass out of town. And look what the Steelers are doing now. Eleven and one ain't Mr. B. Ain't Mr. B. Why? Because you have a winning culture, a winning mentality. They got him out of the town. Bye. Roll out. Structure. Structure. And when one player feels comfortable doing it, like that kid for the, the LSU player did that, a lot of other kids feel comfortable doing stuff that they really have no business doing. Consistency. You have to execute all this and be consistent. There's no wayward back and forth you're consistent and no and with that consistency it all ties together no one person is above the team aka refer back to antonio brown he might have been at that time the maybe the best receiver in football he wasn't bigger than the damn team they got his ass up out of there and again look what the steelers are doing now they're 11 and 1 <laughs> ain't missed a beat nobody sits and watch the steeler game and say wow damn they they sure could use Antonio Brown. Like, oh man, they just it just ain't the same without Antonio Brown. No. No one player is bigger than the team. And the last thing, when you have a winning culture, is sustainability. Again, using the Steelers as a, as an example. Steelers can have problems. They can have a quarterback go down with Roethlisberger. They can lose players, but they are still sustaining a level of excellence, a level of winning. You may not always win the championship all the time, but you put a product out there that is sustainable, that your name is in the hunt each and every year. It gives your players hope. It gives your fan base hope. It gives your administration hope because it lets you know that, you know what, I have a strong, solid structure, a strong, solid foundation that, hey, I can do this. Look at Bama right now. Sustainability. They lost 14 players to the draft. I hear LSU fans Belly aching. Oh, we lost so many people to the draft. This, that, and the other. Bama lost 14 players to the draft one year, just like LSU lost 14 players to the draft the next year. One year. Guess what? Jerry Judy left. Henry Ruggs left. The beat goes on. Come on down, Devontae Smith. Come on down, Minchie. Come on down, Najee Harris. The beat goes on. Championship programs have sustained ability. What's LSU looking like right now? Does that look like sustainability? Is that the product you see on the field? Does that look like sustainability? Do you see that? Do you see, let's back up a little bit. Do you see the consistency in the program? 
when Coach O is telling the players how he's got their back and he's there for them and he's X, Y, Z and he supports them. He's all this, that and the other. And in the springtime, he's all backing up Trump. And he ain't got a, He has no idea of have a pulse of the situation. Knowing most of the players you got are black. And you sitting here backing Trump talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, Trump, Trump. We need to play. We need to play. We need to play. Where's the consistency? Where, where is it at? He's he he's a D line coach trying to be a CEO of a program, and he doesn't know how to be consistent. I don't really blame O. I mean, he's just doing the best he can. He doesn't know no better. He really doesn't. He really doesn't mean no harm. He just doesn't know any better. When you go back to the NFL draft combine, and this is why Bad News Media really covers up LSU, and they all work in, in hand in hand because you know Bad News Media they can't go against LSU and say negative stuff because then at that point your accessibility gets locked off. So then if you if you're a writer and you can't get the information, you don't have a job. They don't need you. So this is how this goes. Darius Geis, NFL draft time comes by. NFL scouts, NFL personnel ask him about Darius Geis. Remember, Darius Geis fell to the second round. People said, oh, Ron Baton Rouge, that's, that's crazy. Why he dropped to the second round? He had character issues. He had issues. We already know about the sexual assault stuff and some other stuff that the NFL people have. And they got this information. They have FBI people that go and find this information out. So when they go to Ed to ask his, Ed these questions, they're not really asking Ed to find shit out. They already know. <laughs> they're as going to Ed to ask probably deeper questions, maybe what was going on? Why would he do this? What's going on in this situation? They just want to get a temperature of what's going on with Darius guys. So Ed says, oh, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. He, that, I, didn't, I didn't know. He didn't know anything. You, you, at this point, you're the head coach. Darius guys is somebody you brought into your house. You mentored this kid. You had to at least heard some rumors that got back to you. But when the NFL people came to him, he played crazy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Guy's a great guy. Good, good kid. He's great. Go ahead and take him. You should, you should draft him. Well, now we see, we see where Guy's is at right now. You lose your credibility. So now, what happens when you lose your credibility? Whenever coach, when Ed wants to say speak up for a player and says, "Oh, this player is really good. This player is really great. He may have had some injuries or he had this going on, but you should take him in the second round instead of this fourth round projection." Ed, why should we listen to you? We don't trust the information you give us. If anything, either you're a liar or you're not in touch with what's going on in your own damn program. You think Saban doesn't know what's going on in his program? Winning culture. Winning culture. So, Ed, flip it back around. He he basically played crazy, lied for guys. Okay. So, then it's Grant Delpit time. Grant Delpit was, quote, unquote, supposed to be a first-round draft pick. He went the second round. Of course, here goes Bad News Media again. Oh, he must have just went the second round because he had an ankle injury. He wasn't healthy all the year. Nope. That ain't it. So this time, Ed, reversing course, the NFL people come talk to him again. He breaks it down. And let's be real, y'all. Let's be real. Grant Delpit was part of his, was a part of that sexual allegation stuff. It'll come out in February, but he was a part of that. He was one of the names listed as one of those people that was a part of that sexual allegation stuff. Him and Jacob Phillips, mind you, they were both on the field against Clemson. You got to be careful. You sell your soul to win a game, to win a season. (laughs) You watch it. So 
Ed basically tells the truth on Grant Delpy. People upset. Why Ed gonna say all this about Grant? Do this, do that, do that, and other. Don't say that about Grant. That ain't that ain't right. He's got to be honest because if he's not honest, then you know, hey, you lose your credibility. No, no, nobody will listen to you. So I think with the guy situation, there was a bit of he didn't lie to them. He basically omitted a lot of information that NFL people knew, and they wanted to see if Ed not only would Ed tell it, but I think they want to get deep down into it. But again, he's he's not a CEO. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that can mislead you. And right now, what, what you're looking at is this is old Miss Ed. We're pulling the curtain back, y'all. Think about this. Old Miss Ed is back in full effect. And he's got his binder, but he doesn't know how to fix it. He's got that same binder he had at Old Miss. No fault of Ed. Ed is, is what he is. Eric Gilbert. I think he had the best interest for Eric Gilbert. No, no doubt about it. But he said too much. He didn't have to say all that. He had to say his body hurt. What? What? His body hurt. Now, 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 now you're throwing him under the bus. It looks bad. He didn't, Ed didn't mean any harm, but now it looks bad on him. Gilbert's gone. I mean, he's not coming back. I mean, George is already talking to him. George is, George is doing Georgia. They're tampering. They were tampering and talking to him. He's not coming back. That's a done deal. But Ed, all you have to say is, hey, uh, Gilbert's going through something right now. And, um, you know, it's a personal situation. And we're just going to leave it at that for right now. And, th- and that's that. And just leave it ambiguous. And then we move on. But sometimes the biggest, the biggest gift can be the biggest curse. And you have the media members around here in Baton Rouge talk about, oh, how Ed is just so transparent. And he says this and says that. He's not like less. And he gives us all the information, all this access. Okay. That's cool, but this, the, same, the same things they can love you for, the same things they can bite you in your ass for. And that bit them. And like I said, Ed doesn't know how to fix it. It's no fault of his. He just, that's just not his skill set. If you have a house, if you, if you got a grease fire in your house, Ed's going to get a big old bucket of water and, go, and try to put it out. And he'll turn that grease fire into a house fire. He don't mean no harm. He thought the water going to put the grease fire out. But again, Ed don't know how to fix it. So what is he supposed to do? He doesn't know no better. And then his relationships with his staff is really, really, really bad. You ran off Matt Canada because you couldn't get along with him. Oh, Matt Canada. Matt Canada is the guy who's um, calling plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. See the correlation here? The Steelers again. Yeah, I think the Steelers 11-1. Often looks pretty good. You couldn't get along with him. You inherited Dave Aranda. You didn't hire him, but Dave Aranda, I mean, Aranda was ready to get the hell up out of there because I'm just, I'm not going to say that. I was about to say something. <laughs> but Aranda was ready to go because he didn't get along with Ed. But Aranda's more my manner. You know, just, okay, whatever. And get, get up out of there because he saw it was coming. Bo Pelini, his boy, he hired Bo. The same Bo that came up, showed, came to town, told all these defensive players how basically they weren't any good, and y'all suck last year. I'm gonna get y'all right. Yeah, I'm sure that went over real well. Bo, coming from Youngstown State, who are you? <laughs> now you're on the sideline throwing your headset down, throwing Bo under the bus because your defense is failing. Failing. The offense is looking like I don't know what it looks like right now. You looked into Joe Brady, you didn't find him. You just signed off on him. But that wouldn't, that wouldn't, he wouldn't, he's not, he wasn't LSU because of you, Ed. 
<laughs> so the only person you really get along with is Steve Zinsmigger. You don't throw him under the bus. And that offense is hit or miss at best. Taking accountability, guys. Accountability. Again, a winning culture, it goes back to accountability, rules, structure, consistency, and sustainability. And you can see these things coming down the pipe since 2016. Winning masks a lot of this stuff. You don't see it, but if you pull the curtain back, you can see these things. And you can see the little tidbits here, the little stuff there, all this going on. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I blame the administration too, LSU's administration. They knew a lot. They knew a lot about the sexual assault stuff going on with all these players, nine players, you know. Ed playing two of them last year, all season. Grant Delpit, Jacob Phillips, they were part of it. They ran two dudes off, basically two dudes they didn't need, Drake Davis and Peter Parrish. Okay, y'all can go. Yeah, we did something. But you had other guys running around there doing shit. Darius guys doing all kind of crazy stuff, turning a blind eye because we got to win these games. And now the NCAA has set up shop on LSU's campus. We ain't, I ain't even got to the basketball team yet. <laughs> I'm going to leave that for That's another discussion. They've set up shop over there. And what I'm hearing, they talking about they got videos. If these players made videos of this stuff and they talking, we starting to hear word coming out now like this is looking Baylorish. Hey y'all, the writing's on the wall. Something this shit's coming down the pipe. And it's gonna hit come February. It's coming down the pipe. And you see LSU with this uh <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, bowl band, which is very almost I don't know if they're flipping the finger at the NCAA or that's just arrogance. What the hell? What is that supposed to do? We're gonna ban ourselves from the bowl from the bowl season this year, and we're not gonna take a bowl ban. That's not gonna stop. That's not gonna stop this freight train that's that's coming down the pipe. And this looks like Baylor. Oh, you really got a mess on your hands. So, so the LSU fans, the LSU supporters. Hey, like I told a buddy of mine. When you sell, you, 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 sold, you, you, you made a deal with the devil in 2019. It may be a year before that, too. You made a deal with the devil. In 2019, it is 2020. The devil is here to collect. And oh, is he collecting. Collecting and then some. And he might be collecting in 2021. He might be collecting in 2022. Especially if this is, has anything similar to Baylor. This is going to be really bad we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes so that's pulling the curtain back guys so i just want to give you some information some tidbits things about a winning culture and to sum it up you can win and win big and still have a losing mentality and still have a losing culture because ultimately a winning culture is gonna have sustainability you may not win the championship every year you won't win the championship every year but you're going to put up a championship close to a top 10 product, maybe top 15 product, depending on your resources and the school you have each and every year. And then there'll be some years you can make a run at it. LSU's not that. And after that stunt they pulled last year, after they beat Bama, uh, Saban's not going to let that happen. <laughs> not, no more as long as he's coaching that team. Best be leave. Moving on, y'all. Moving on. Look, I just, I just want to talk about something real, real quick. Real, real quick, y'all. Um, we talk about a winning mentality, losing mentality. <sighs> I, 
I don't understand some people sometimes. I, I really, really freaking don't. And I'm going to say this. I have my team that I root for. And I want to win. Just like anybody else wants to win. But I, I always feel like the greatness, the great ones are greedy. They want to win every year. They want the most. I won this year, but I want to win it next year. I had some friends of mine, and lots of them LSU friends, LSU buddies. And of course, they're going through this bad year this year. And one of the first things out of their mouth is, we won last year. We won last year. We were the champs last year. I remember when UF won in championship in 2006. I remember I was at my friend's house in 2007. That was a Tebow game where um, they lost to LSU. At the uh, Hail Mary at the end of the game. That's the game where they got the LSU fans got Tebow's cell phone number and all that. And I remember watching that game at my at my uh, frat brother's house. Yeah, me and my other buddy Rob. What up, Rob? I know you're gonna listen to this. We were watching the game in my boy's house. And of course, Florida lost the game. They were the defending champs. They lost that game. And they weren't gonna go defend their championship. That team still went. What that team called? Nine and two? I think they, I think the team went nine and three, I think. I lost to LSU. Oh, they lost to LSU, Georgia. And they lost to Bogan in Michigan. That team went nine and three. You know, that's respectable. That's sustainability. You lost, you won the championship the year before, went nine through the next year. A little bit of a fall off. When we lost that game, I didn't run around talking about, oh, well, we won last year. We got the championship last year. I didn't care about that. It's 2007. I want to win now. I want this shit. I ain't, I, 2006, when I want to sit back in the summertime and kick my feet up and think about what the overall program, what we've done over the years, that's fine. I'm in season. I ain't sitting here talking about no damn, oh, man, but we won last year, though. That's a losing mentality. And that's what a lot of these LSU fans have now. It's permeating all the way down from your administration all the way down to the fan base. Well, these guys walk around talking about, oh, we won last year. I remember when Florida won in 2008. 2009, Florida lost an SEC championship game to Alabama. I remember watching it at my boy's house, the same house again. When we lost to Saban in 2009 and Tebow was on one knee crying, he wasn't, he wasn't sitting there saying, well, I won last year, so it's all good. I wasn't watching that game saying, oh, well, I won last year, so it's all whatever, it's all good. No. Champions and winners and greatness, we want to win all the time. And we never sit back and reflect, especially in the moment about, oh, well, I won last year. That's a losing mentality. I hate that some of my friends are like that. And that's a mentality as if you've never won anything before ever. And then once I finally win something, I'm just like, I'm so glad I won something. I'm happy. I mean, that's some shit that Cub fans do. Cubs, what, didn't win the championship in like 100 years. And like literally some of them fans were like, okay, we finally won a championship. Now I can go die. (laughs) That's crazy That's crazy to me son I can't uh, can't, uh -uh. That's crazy to me So I I don't get it Even with the Cowboys I remember when the Cowboys won back to back 92-93 Beat San Francisco in championship game Won the Super Bowl Loving it We're going for three in a row Barry Switzer comes to town We lose to San Francisco In the NFC championship game I didn't say, well, I won last year. We won two in a row. I didn't care about that then. I want to win now, today, this game right here. I want three in a row. I'm greedy. The greats are greedy. Saban's greedy. Belichick's greedy. Urban Meyer, they're greedy. They want more, 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 more. 
They just don't want just one or two. Michael Jordan, greedy. They ain't just satisfied with I won five championships. I don't even worry about winning six. Kobe, I want more. I'm greedy. That's the greats. And that's what I, you know, not to my own, to my own horn, but that's what I don't associate myself with. That's what I want to be around. I don't want to be around nobody talking about, well, I won last year, so, you know, it's whatever and stuff. Nah, nah. That, 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 that thought process is just unbelievable to me. And you have a lot of LSU fans walking around here that think like that. And it's like, you should be better than that. I mean, you're not freaking, you're not freaking Mississippi State. You should aspire to be a championship program each and every year. That that that's unacceptable. I just don't. I don't understand the mindset. I guess there's some things in life you're just not meant to understand, and that's that's one of them. <laughs> Go freaking figure. All right, y'all. I'm ranting right now. Next topic. I got two more to go, and I'm gonna get out of here because it's Friday afternoon, and I'm about to turn up a little bit. College football coach of the year. Who do you think is college football's coach of the year? Who, 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 who? Saban? Oh, it's an easy choice, right? The guy at Coastal Carolina? Oh, well, no, maybe. Doing a great job. Coach of the year. I got one. I got it. I bet you guys would never guess it. You would never guess it in a million years. Who I vote for coach of the year? Coach of the year? Carl Durrell, Colorado. Think about what he's done this year. Just from the beginning. He used to coach at UCLA. That wasn't a very good tenure for him. He got hired at Colorado. He got that job in March. Do you know how difficult it is to take a job in March? Mel Circa left Colorado in March to take the Michigan State job. Carl Durrell comes in signing in March, signing class over with. Basically, the pandemic began in March. He got the job. He had no time to do anything. And he's pulled this team together. He don't know these guys. He had any time with them. No spring practice. No nothing. Came in in March. Basically, the pandemic kicked off in March. People are staying at home. This team is 4-0, beating very good teams. And they're playing very good football. Pac-12 football gets under the radar, obviously. They got started late. Um, it's not really taken seriously unless maybe you're in Oregon or USC and you're a top five, top ten team. Colorado's ranked, uh, what, 21st right now? That is a really great job he's doing. He would get my vote right now for National Coach of the Year. Splendid, splendid, splendid job, Carter. Keep it going, brother. Let's see if you can do some things. Because I told my boys, I said, you can win big at Colorado. It's not as easy. I shouldn't say easy. It's not as it's a little more difficult than it was back in the 90s with Darren Hagan or so. But um, at Colorado, you got to get into California. You got to get into Texas. That's the only way you're going to get to where you want to get to at um, at Colorado. You got to get into California and get players. And you have to get into Texas to get players, especially in that Dallas metro area. Very, very important. You want to turn that program into a legitimate contender nationally. Last but not least, before I get up out of here, y'all. My Sixers. A lot of talk about Simmons for Harden. Simmons for Harden, Harden for Simmons. Looks like James Harden's his days are basically numbered in Houston. And he's trying to maneuver his way to a winning situation. Between Brooklyn, Philly, what are the other teams? I think the Heat and I am forgetting the other team. 
Philly, Brooklyn, the Heat. Huh, who is the other team? I can't remember who the other team is. I think it's another East, it's another Eastern team. I think they even mentioned Milwaukee. I don't know how that would work. But yeah, but right now it looks like Philadelphia is the um, the leader right now for his services, the Simmons for Harden deal. Um I like it for Philadelphia. I like it for both teams, the more I think about it. I like it for both teams. Um it gives Philly more shooting, another shooter. Somebody can take the ball, do what he do. And again, if Embiid will miss games, sit out for games, for injury or rest, you can let Harden run the show. And they've done some things to put some shooters on that team. I like it. And for Simmons, I like it for Simmons. For, um, a new start. Um, he can go to Houston. They'll be more spread out. Him, John Wall. Uh, they, I forgot what other pieces. I don't really don't know what other pieces they have right now. But Philadelphia is, is a level of a pressure cooker. It's not the easiest place to play. You play hard and you ball, they will love you like no other. They love Allen Iverson. They love Dr. J. They love Charles Barkley. You spill your guts, they will love you. Now, I'm not going to say that Philly fans do not love Ben Simmons. They like him. They don't, dis- they don't dislike him. They like him. They really would like him if you can get a jump shot. <laughs> they really would like him if you can get a jump shot. But uh, they, 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 it's not the easiest place to play, especially if you're having struggles, <clears throat> a.k.a. Markel Fultz. Uh, it is, yeah, the, the media is rough, and I think the fan base is even rougher out there in Philadelphia. So I like the deal. I like to see it happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm cool with that too. I'm indifferent. Um, but I would like to see it happen. That'd be, that'd be nice to see Harden. MB be a nice little nice mixture there. So that's what I got, y'all. So with all that being said, it's been real. Y'all be cool. Happy Friday. Go Gators. And like I always say, if you can't be good, be good at it. Peace.